0: Hi everyone and welcome to Discipleship Under the Crown, a podcast where we ask the question, how can we keep discipleship in youth ministry front and center during the COVID-19 global pandemic? I'm Al James, a youth ministry advisor working with YouthWorks in Sydney, Australia, where we want to see effective youth ministry in every church. Now, COVID-19 has had a huge impact on the world. At, at the time I'm recording this, both Italy and the United States have surpassed 20,000 COVID-19-related deaths. There's been reports of refrigeration trucks being used as temporary morgues in New York, trenches being dug for mass graves to deal with all the bodies. But as we keep saying in this podcast, God is King, He wears the crown, even if coronavirus might look as though it's ruling the world at the moment. And so our question is, how do we do discipleship under the crown? We're talking today with Tim Escott. He's just got back from England where he's been for the last three years doing a PhD in theology at Durham University. Uh, before that, he was the youth pastor at St David's Forestville on the Northern Beaches. He was there for four years, and uh, now, after getting back from England, he's serving at St Louis Point in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Tim, welcome. Thanks, Al. It's Good to be here. Hey, uh, what is the uh, what's the title of your PhD? Uh, the
1: PhD was called Faithfulness and Restoration towards Reading Ezra Nehemiah as Christian Scripture.
0: Very nice. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, in, my, <laughs> in my role as a youth ministry advisor, it's been so encouraging to watch so many ministries just pivot so rapidly in their ministry practice um, and thinking, all right, well, we can't have youth on Friday. So what are we going to do to disciple these kids? Um, ministry practices have shifted really quickly. But obviously, the disruption to how we normally do ministry is actually not the crisis. This is a major global pandemic where many thousands have already died and many more will. I'm going to talk today with uh, Tim about responding pastorally and uh, leaning on the Old Testament particularly uh, to to do that in some ways, um, responding pastorally and theologically to the crisis itself. Um, but first, Tim, I'm uh, really keen to chat to you about uh, how this is all affecting you like this is this is obviously a a, a really serious thing that 's going on um, it 's not just something that is affecting our ministries but it affects us personally as well. How are you going with it all
1: mm. uh yeah well i as we were just talking about before al i 'm finding it really difficult actually um yeah it's i it 's a difficult time for a lot of people for most people I found it sad i think and I found it stressful um I think it's sad because already there are so many people dying. I think of lots of people in my congregations, um, who are at great risk. Um, uh, and of all the people who are potentially will be losing loved ones, people already losing their livelihoods. So many people being isolated. Um, yeah. So that makes me really sad. And also I found it stressful because I've, felt responsible for leading, or at least partially partially responsible for leading my church community uh, through the crisis. Um, Yeah, with all of those challenges, people facing those different things, um, uh, yeah, I think there's a big responsibility on us as pastors to lead these people, especially kind of theologically, uh, in the path of discipleship. And it's and it's and it's a big. It feels like a, a big burden mm. um, at times. Other times it does feel like a, a, a privilege. Um, so you know, I do try and cast my anxieties on the Lord. Spend a good amount of time reading His Word, especially reading some of the Psalms, and spending good time with brothers and sisters in Christ has really been helping me.
0: Uh Tim, you, you're talking about leading your congregations, leading uh, the people that you. Uh for pastorally through this um quite clearly we need to respond to this pastorally Um, why do we need to respond pastorally to the crisis itself uh, more than just uh responding by getting our programs sorted
1: um well i think uh the main reason is that in all of this there's just so much at least just so much change for people and change means loss and loss means grief and so, you know, I think it can be easy to say, well, I'm, I'm, uh, not, things aren't too bad for me because I'm not sick, I'm not at high risk of dying, or no one I know has died. But I think it's important for us all to recognise that for all of us, um, that we're all experiencing huge changes and that causes us to have to grieve. And there are lots of layers of that. And so some of us might become very sick very people who are very close to us might die. We, One of us might may very well die. Um, uh, but that's layered with, you know, job losses and um, just losing, not having, say, the money or, or the things that we needed. Um, there are things that, that impact us directly, and I think especially of youth, you know, they're not being able to um, make contact with their friends who they to make contact with their boyfriend or girlfriend the way they usually have. Um, they might not have a livelihood to lose, but their parents might go through that, and so they experience that in an indirect way.
0: It's easy to yeah. say things like not being able to see your friends might be kind of trivial, but in actual fact, yeah, as you say, this is it's grief that we're talking about here. Uh, a major change it's not that trivial you know what i mean
1: absolutely and seeing other people like relating with each other as talking heads on a screen mm. um really run it kind of loses its novelty very quickly mm. and we're embodied we are in, in embodied souls uh and in soul bodies mm. and so our bodies are a very, very real part of how we interact and live and live as disciples
0: Uh, And Tim, we were talking before about how you can default in ministry to other things, the practical things, the pragmatic things, rather than that pastoral need that uh, we need to focus on in a time like this.
1: Yeah, that is a real risk. Um, As people in ministry, we like having things organized and in place. And so the risk is that we just kind of jump on logistics, getting those things in line it's good to use those gifts however we can, but the risk is that pastoral work gets left behind because pastoral work is very messy. It's, it's hard. It's really hard work. It's very slow. And sometimes you can't see progress happening. And, and so the risk is that we just leave it
0: behind. And uh, the other thing we were talking about before is the idea of um, growth through pain.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think that's, that's um, something that's very strong in all different parts of the Bible. I'm going to talk about the book of Habakkuk in a minute. But uh, in that, you can see um, a growth f- through pain and grief and suffering. Uh, the way, you know, I think of the way that Paul puts it, that we move from suffering through growing in our know, endurance, character, hope. Um, and Habakkuk experiences that from wrestling and questioning God to resolving that he will rejoice in the Lord,
0: no matter the suffering that he experiences. Yeah, thanks, Tim. That, that's it's super helpful. Now, your um, your PhD was in Old Testament. Uh, you've read uh, fairly extensively a lot of the Old Testament. Uh, what does the Old Testament have to equip us for this pastoral task that um, that w- that we are engaged in at the moment?
1: Well, I think one of the things about the Old Testament is that, uh, I mean, it's part of the big story of God, God and his people, um, God's work to save his people and eventually culminating in Christ. But I think what the Old Testament offers is that when we zoom in, we get a really fine grained picture of things that you don't get in the New Testament in in quite the same way. So one example is you get uh, examples of humans wrestling with God in suffering. And so we think of examples like Job with many, many, many chapters of Job wrestling arguing with his friends, arguing with God about his suffering situation. I' but to talk again about Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk is a short book, three chapters, one of those prophets in, in the back somewhere. And uh, it's a dialogue between Habakkuk and God as he sees injustice and suffering around him and he yells out to God, "How long God will you allow this to happen?" God responds, but Habakkuk still isn't satisfied and he calls out to God again. And so you've got this, this real uh, strong examples of human wrestling with God. And I think especially for youth, it's very important that we're very real and honest and authentic about our emotions, about the reality of things around us, um, and being able to process those in a spiritually healthy way uh, by bringing them to God and not kind of denying them, which is what we can do sometimes as Christians say, oh, it's OK, because we're going to have we have resurrection, uh, which is absolutely the case. But we really still need to slow down and experience that that wrestling in suffering. Uh, another one um, is that the Old Testament has these really vivid images of God and his, of his power and his goodness. You see that again in Habakkuk chapter three at the the end at the end and that's how the kind of how the book ends Habakkuk's wrestling then he gets his vision of God and his power the same thing happens in Job you get it in a lot of the Psalms you get in Isaiah look at Isaiah 40 for example of God uh, images of God's power but the way that Habakkuk three talks about God's power is this overwhelming sense of his presence uh, of his power over over all things and so Habakkuk is left his body trembling, he's quivering, he describes it as rottenness entering his bones because he's so overwhelmed. And I think this overwhelming picture of God's power can be, uh, can be good for us to see. And uh, the final thing that I would mention is also uh, the, the Old Testament has a bunch of rich imagery of God's promises of restoration, of renewal, of new life. Habakkuk is not such a good example. There's one. There is one verse that really stands out. Chapter two, verse fourteen says, "For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea." And that's just that's a beautiful picture of God's presence, um, and of God's renewal of an uh, of a painful groaning creation. And when you look elsewhere in the Old Testament, you get you get all sorts of pictures of, of this kind of thing. Um, I mean, again, again, you look at Isaiah 40, you look at Isaiah 65 with the description of new heavens picked up in Revelation. Ezekiel 37 is kind of a classic one about, about Israel coming back from exile, uh, metaphorically described as, uh, as a resurrection. And yet as Christians, we can see that that's, that's true for us too, uh, physically through Jesus' resurrection. So, um, So, yeah, those promises from God are, are a really powerful thing for us to hold on to as
0: well. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, It's been really, really wonderful to hear um, some of the thinking that you've done, particularly from the Old Testament. um, I really want to thank you for joining us. Thanks, Al. Well, if you want to get in touch with Tim uh, to talk with him about any of the issues that he's raised in today's episode, you can do that, whether that's thinking about responding pastorally or theologically to this crisis itself or whether that's thinking about what the Old Testament has to offer uh, in our pastoral response, We can do that on email, tim.scott at stmarksdp.org. Please subscribe to this podcast uh, so you don't miss any episodes. And we want to help as many people as we can to think through these discipleship issues uh, in a very strange season. Uh, So maybe you consider sharing this on uh, social media, uh, or writing a review on the various podcasting platforms it's available. That would be super helpful. We want to keep thinking about how do we do discipleship under the crown?